We've got Mark Victor Hansen. We've got the incredible Mitzi Purdue, who I love. And we have my little boy, Adrian. Hello, Adrian. Hello. This is so, so exciting. I've been looking forward to this show, and I have been looking forward to getting to officially meet you, Mitzi. So thank you both so much for being here with us today. So Adrian sends me all the notes for the book. He's, he's read the book. He makes me pay attention to all this stuff. And then he wrote me a note and said, go watch a couple of, watch this podcast. So I watched this podcast and then I watched the next one and then I watched the next one and then I watched the next one. Every This woman is unbelievable. And if you ever want to do anything for a whole afternoon, just start with one. It's like eating Lay's potato chips. You'll never do it. She is unbelievable. So with that, here we go. Mitzi Purdue, how are you, kid? Well, in a state of joy because I, I love talking with you guys. Thank you. We are thrilled to death. And Mark Victor Hansen, where did you find this young rising star? <laughs> <laughs> Correct on all parts. And by the way, she is one of my best telephone friends. And I know you're not going to believe the next thing, Tom, but we have a mutual friend named Brad Rotter who met her, I think it was in Dubai, was it? Mitzi? Exactly. Yeah. And he, called, he calls me up from Dubai and says, uh, I've got to introduce you to your new best friend. And I go, well, that's you. What the heck are you talking about? He said, no, 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 you're going to love Mitzi. And, and by the way, not only we, my wife and I have fallen in love with Mitzi, but we just we, we wrote this book together, How to Be Up and Down Times. Uh, it is rocking up the list. We're just we're just having the best time, and we talk we talk almost every day. It just her mind is so she is one of the great polymath geniuses of our time, <laughs> and she wants to inspire everybody, as old Zig Ziglar would have said, Tom and Adrian, from the neck up. And she is just a joy to my heart and soul. Before well, we then I, I have to tell my side of it. Okay. I'm I made friends with. Bradley Rotter at a family business convention in Dubai. And he told me, you should talk with Mark Victor Hansen. And I said, but uh, you, you know that old expression, we are not worthy, we are not worthy. That was my reaction. <laughs> I was thinking, how will I even dare take to talk to one of the most inspirational people on the planet, somebody who sold half a billion with the B books. I was terrified to talk with him. And you've already got 20, but you had 22 books under your belt at that point, right? Well, it was 21 because we wrote the 20, the 22nd. But I still think that I'm unaware of a more impressive person with the possible exception of his, of his wife, Crystal. Yeah, I what, agree on that count. What about their dog, London? <laughs> <laughs> okay, he can be the super dog. Unbelievable. Yeah, so that's good. So that's very, very exciting. So we want to get right to your book because who you are is such hope and inspiration and your stories are magnificent. Going all the way back to your childhood and the childhood of your mom, everybody. It goes all the way back to the Henderson family to the mid-1800s that you are taking this tradition forward of everybody writing an autobiography by the age of 60. I mean, Everything you're doing is magnificent. And I'm telling you, if I pulled out my wallet right now, you would see a picture of Mitzi Purdue in it because you inspire me. Well, I will tell about, about the family tradition of writing a book, but it really relates to something that I hope Mark will talk about, which is if you want your family legacy to last across, you know, beyond your generation, a book's the way to go. And the Henderson family, we started as the Henderson Estate Company in 1840. And we had our 130th 
annual reunion just a few weeks ago, although this time for the first time it was virtual. But what keeps us together? And I'll tell you, one of the things is writing books. We have a tradition, actually a requirement, by the time you're 60 years old, you got to write your autobiography. And it can be as short as 16 pages or one wrote a thousand pages. And we've got shelves and shelves and shelves of books. But here's the advantage of, of writing books. You know where you came from. You know you're part of something bigger than yourself. You know that you have ancestors who lived through horrible, terrible times and what got them through it. I'm, I'm a huge fan for, to my mind, the magic key of keeping a family together across the generations is writing a book. But what I'd really like is for Mark to fill in why and how. Magic and Mark will. Go ahead, Mark. It's just, you know, I, and Mark's told us that. He, I mean, he wrote a book on how to write. He's written books on how to write books. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is, it didn't resonate with me like when she said, you know, I've got brothers and sisters and I mean, we should all be doing what you did and then getting Mark's other book to teach us how to do it. We're going to be like a book fest here, Mark. So talk about that a little bit. By the way, I, before I met Mitzi, I didn't know everyone was doing it, but I did this book and it has some sequel books to it. It's called, You Have a Book in You. You can right. get it at Amazon and it says this one, it just teaches you everything about writing a book. I believe everyone has a story in it because as somebody who's sold a half billion books, people come up to me and say, they secretly whisper in my ear and say, I got a book in me. I said, I know, you gotta write it, but I'm not gonna teach you step-by-step. Step. Read the book and do it. Go to my website, markfutureanswer.com and do it. And then Mitzi is writing the forge. She didn't even know it, but I'm inviting her on this line. We just finished a book volunteer. called Speed Write Your Autobiography. Wouldn't you write the forge to that? I'd be happy to. I'd be overjoyed to because I, I'm a deep, deep, deep believer in the fact that it's it's good for your family, but it's also amazingly good for you to write a book. Why it, is it good for the individual, Mitzi? Please tell everybody because everyone doesn't. They say, nobody wants to know my story. Go ahead, tell me. Well, I'm thinking back 2,300 years to Mr. Plato, the philosopher. And he said, the unexamined life is not worth living. Uh, the more you the more you kind of know what you're here for and what you're about, uh, I think the deeper and better life you have, including a happier life. I mean, it's, it's kind of neat to get your, to know yourself. And I can't think of a better way of doing it than writing your biography. And what do you, what do you notice has happened for you doing that self-examination, Mitzi, or, and maybe as you have encouraged and coached others to do the same, that, that self-examination journey that happens as you do that, what comes out of that? Well, I'll, first of all, I will freely admit to the world that I am 79. Here's what at 79, I recognized and I didn't recognize really before writing my autobiography, which I had to do. And that is, I'm more idealistic and more, uh, I don't know, about service than I realized until I looked through my life and I see, how about that's my motivating thing, service to others. And it, and it gets back to a hymn that I grew up with in, as a child, which it says, service to man is the road to God. And I hadn't ever put that together. I hadn't realized what my core was until I wrote my autobiography. That's so cool. And I think there's a, you know, you've lived a really remarkable life. And yet I think each one of us has some kind of story that maybe our life isn't that remarkable. 
and going back and going, wow, well, that was actually pretty special. And, you know, you sort of string these pearls together and you look at them and go, wow, why? Well, you know, even my little life, as I might tell myself, is actually has really, you know, maybe it's impacted one person, maybe it's impacted five people, but it's had a profound impact on somebody. And that really, really matters, does it? Especially, and maybe this is a good segue actually to talk about in down times, in a time where we're maybe feeling more isolated, where we're feeling like what we're doing, you know, it's, maybe we're more prone to those kind of negative thoughts or those kind of feelings of despair, that reflecting on that stuff is really important, isn't it? With Marcus, is mine? Yeah, sure. So, okay, since we're co-authors, I, I want to be extremely respectful of this senior author. But, <laughs> well, wait, I take that back. I'm older. but <laughs> I just am senior in writing more books. I've written 309, but she 309 is, books. <laughs> this is the 309, but she is the most prolific, brilliant, having written 4,000 scientific articles, comes out of two, aired a, two phenomenal family lines that uh, Cheaton talked about. But go ahead. Would you answer his question why everyone needs to write it? to get out of their depression or despondency, their disconsolate, and maybe even get them out of being suicidal in these tough times, Mitzi. There you go. Yeah, I think nobody should underestimate how absolutely severe this is on a planetary basis. Because whether you're worrying about your health or the health of people that you love or financial health, or whether the, you know, the world is just crumbling, it's a time of just extraordinary stress, which is, by the way, why we wrote the book to help people in times of extraordinary stress. And I can give one piece of advice just right off the bat. I'm a science writer. I've spent a good bit of my life uh, translating scientists into, translating their information into information that will benefit just general people. And I also am a health writer. I, I for years have written, for example, the blog for the Academy of Women's Health. But the story that I'm gonna tell, it's from the book, it's, you know, a lot of scientists and health officials will agree with what I'm about to say, but I'm going to tell it from the point of view of my niece. And, I, and this is how I did it in the book. My niece runs a nursing home, and she's just extremely aware of how stress affects health. And she said that healthcare, if, if you are personally in charge of the healthcare of somebody possibly with, with a long-term debilitating disease, like for example, Parkinson's or, or maybe cancer, whatever, that the odds are one third that you will die before the person that you're taking care of. And the reason why is the stress of taking care of a, severe, a severely ill person is so, it, it causes so many harmful chemicals within your inside your body that it's actually a killer. Stress is a killer. So what do you do about it? Well, her advice to, like all the healthcare workers, and there are hundreds of them under her, her advice to all of them is that it's a complete medical necessity to take at least an hour a day for something that, I'm going to call it escapism, but should call it self-care, that... If you want to, to keep yourself from being eaten alive by stress, it's medically necessary to do something that will just take your mind away from it. And I'll tell you some of the things that some people do. You know, I ask people almost as a hobby, what do you do to escape the stress that you're going through? And you know, for some people, it's watching James Bond. 
for others playing with the grandkids, for others, uh, I know somebody who plays the oboe for an hour a day just so that he's, he's putting his mind someplace else other than where the stress hormones are shortening your life. So one tip from How to Be Up is pay attention to the medical necessity of doing something that takes you away from the stresses and pains and terrors that you're going through every day. Wow. What do you do? <laughs> I take a break in 20 seconds and then I tell you what I do. I go to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous every day Yay? for the last 32 years. I love it. That's the only thing that's kept the wheels on. We've got to take a little break. We're on the Genesis Communication Network. Thank you, Ted Anderson. This is the Network Marketing Leadership Show. We will be back right after this. Boom. Nailed it. Actually hit the break. <laughs> Hello, Mark. It's good to see you, baby. Now nice to be with you guys. Mitzi, this is what I was telling you on the phone. See, they advertise. They own this company, but they do a brilliant job. She went, she told me this morning, I'm not going to talk to you. I said, why? I said, I got to go study their company. <laughs> you well, I, I downloaded the app like weeks ago, but I, I felt that that I owed it to you and the time that you're giving me to maybe read some of the, the comments and some of the pieces of advice and so forth. Well, you are. Oh, and, and by the way, uh, I'm such a believer in what you're doing. The most successful people I know are the ones who track their contacts. And, and I've watched, you know, my late husband, for example, or even my father, who was, you know, he was at the height of his career in the 1950s. Both men put more effort into getting the most from their contacts. And boy, what would they have done if, if they had had this app? By the way, ask her that when we come back, please, would you guys? What's that? Ask her that when we come back. And then some woman just wrote us name Elizabeth that wants to onboard. I don't know if she wants to call in or what. Yeah, that's very, very cool. No, she's uh, she's fine. She, We know Elizabeth. We love Elizabeth. She's one of your biggest fans, Mark. And when these guys start following Mitzi Purdue, it's going to be all over because she's just amazing. 4,000 scientific articles. I know. That's just unbelievable. That's such an incredible contribution. And Well, it's, it's not that I'm so knowledgeable, but I do interview very knowledgeable and amazing people, Nobel Prize winners, for example. And, I mean, it's been a great career. That's... I mean, being able and and you know you're very humble first of all because I know that it, you you are much more knowledgeable than you're giving yourself credit for there but it's also you know the best it's not about being if you're the smartest person in the world you know toiling away in your little place you know not talking to anyone the impact you're going to have is going to be far less than someone who is able to collaborate and to connect with people that are able to amplify the message and to create these, you know, the collaboration is where the magic in, and the bigger ideas comes from because any one person is not going to come up, you know, the times of, you know, Euclid sitting in his, you know, whatever shop workshop and figuring this stuff out, you know, geometry in the 1400s or whatever that is, that's not the way things work anymore. The advancements come through collaboration. And I think your success in publishing like this, Mitzi, is an example of that. And that applies, I think, to, to any field. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree with that, Mitzi? Well, I've got a passionate belief that the ability to communicate sort of an everyday language is not given to all scientists. I mean, I just, I mean, top of the head guess, 
I could imagine that there may be five scientists who are both gifted at science and gifted at communication. So I think there's a big, in the ecosystem, there's a big place for somebody like me who, I regard myself as a translator. Mr. Famous Scientist, Ms. Famous Scientist, you know, they have fabulous ideas that will benefit humanity, but if they don't speak the language that the rest of us do, it, it can disappear. So, so I love doing what I do. That do you know so the name Temple Grandin? Ah, I'm going to be having a virtual dinner with her in early September. It, no, oh. my gosh, oh, we're here in, yeah, in about eight days. She's one of the tough communicators, you know, you could, you know, she's, when I went out, I, you know, I tried to interview her one time and she was just so completely smart that I couldn't talk to her because she was like 50,000 points above me IQ wise. And that's tough for scientists to be able to do that. Are we back? Yeah, we need to come back. Contactmapping.com. Please go to that website. Thanks for watching the break. We'll be right back. And we're back. It is the Network Marketing Leadership Show with Adrian Chenault and Mark Victor Hansen and Mitzi Purdue. And what a show. Uh, I'll tell you what, this wife of a chicken farmer is one smart <laughs> cook. I love her with all my heart, man. I've been watching her videos for days here. Oh my gosh. Mesmerized by her spirit and uh, just came out of nowhere. I'm just, you know, I, I can't tell you how much your book, How to Be up in down times is so important right now because people are absolutely paralyzed by being by by isolation and faking it till you make it is only good so far and then all of a sudden you're just saying i'm lonely i'm scared what the heck do i do and your book could not be more perfect mark and mitzi it's beautiful and thank you for writing it well we feel like we're m m and we are we are here because I'm going to talk for both of us for a second and say that we're bountiful optimists. We think we're going to go into the best times ever. We're saying, hey, in the beginning of it, we said, hey, look, the oldest symbol in the world, when I was in graduate school, Bucky Fuller wrote the foreword to the book on symbiology, is a yin and yang, 6,000 plus years old, and crisis equals opportunity. Therefore, Mitzi and I are saying, hey, look, Nobody questions, we're in the biggest crisis. There's 8 billion of us, it's not one of us being alone, it's 8 billion of us being alone and sequestered and, and it's government imposed by and large. And that biggest crisis equals the biggest opportunity. So we gotta take the adversity, turn it into advantage, take the, the darkness and turn it into light. And that's what our little book, How to Be Up in Down Times does in every page as far as I'm concerned. And with that, I'll pass it to Mitzi to add to what I just said. Beautiful. What I'll add is, uh, you know this, Mark, but everybody else probably doesn't. After you told me to visualize selling, selling more than a million copies, I got an email from a woman whom I've never heard of in Taiwan. Somebody from America had sent her the book and she ordered 200 more. And what she was writing me about was she wanted to know if Amazon would give her a deal if we sold, uh, if she bought a thousand for some kind of chain of stores that she has. Uh, and in the email that she wrote telling me about these amazing orders, which I think came about because you said that I should visualize it. She said that it was what was needed for our time. She said the ability to raise your spirits when you're just feeling paralyzed by, by so many fears that, that we have, like fears for our loved ones, uh, financial fear is enormous, uh, fear for what happens to our country or 
any country in the world is, is, is suffering. So now's the time to offer hope. And I, what I love is that not only does it offer hope in that big picture yin and yang sort of way, but I think it offers really practical, it's, it's a really practical book while also having that overarching, you know, feeling of hope and everything else. And, you know, it's so, it's so interesting how this works, but, you know, it's the stress of those fears of people's health and the people you care about. It's the stresses of being isolated. It's the stresses of all of the day-to-day things that have been upended. And I have a four-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a nine-year-old at home, and my four-year-old basically has screamed continuously at <laughs> about 15 minutes ago when he's probably still screaming. I'm just not there anymore. And, you know, it's just like you. everyone is having to, you know, deal with you know, little things that have much bigger ramifications, like one of our kids had a fever this morning and so everything kind of got upended. And there's no sob story there, it's just that this is what everyone in the world is facing is things that I used to just be able to take in stride suddenly stop. You're worn down. We have to have some tools to bounce ourselves back out of this and to increase our resiliency because if we don't have that, we're really going to be trapped in a cycle of of being down, staying down. We got to get up again. And so I love this book for that reason. And so we've got about two minutes before the break. Talk about the the idea of like, why did you guys come together to write this book now? I mean, now I understand, but how did you come together to write this book? Okay, I'll I'll jump in and, and tell. I know Mark because he's supportive of some efforts I have that are combating human trafficking. But in early, in, well, late January, both of us were aware that really bad things were happening in China and they were probably going to come our way. And I'm going to be really presumptuous and say that I'm aware that as a scientist, I know a lot of good things that can help people that aren't generally known. So I approached the world's most inspirational man uh-huh. and I suggested, what if we collaborated on a book and it would be short, it would be 40 tips, it would be something that somebody who's under a lot of stress can still take two minutes to read two pages and be uplifted. And you bought it. That's so, and you hit the nail on the head, right? We don't necessarily have time to read War and Peace right now, right? Like, it's like, I got a problem. <laughs> and I love that I can go, okay, well, yep, that looks just about like the problem I have right there. In, in three pages, I have something that is gonna inspire me and that's gonna give me a tool to come out of it. So I just love that. Okay, so we got 20 seconds left. Here's what you need to do. This book is phenomenal. He gave me, you cannot believe the notes he gave me on it, but here's what you need to do. Thank you. Five copies for the other four people in your life that are as whacked as you are. (laughs) (laughs) Or you could go with the 200 that my new Taiwan friend went for. That's good. All right, we're taking a break. Network Marketing Leadership Show. We'll be right back. And we're back. Um, How cute's that? That's bad. That was not our best high five we've ever had. I just wish we had 200 friends. I I would do it. (laughs) If if you did contact mapping, you would have 200 friends. Yes, we recommend. I'd like to speak on behalf of Mark. We really recommend to you that you get this wonderful app. It's called Contact Mapping, and it's great. There you go. Perfect. So awesome. (laughs) That's our sound. You could have 200 friends. In the world's loneliest man. (laughs) How many? Okay, question for everybody. Uh, How many people are in your electronic Rolodex, your contact base? Yeah, so he, so you have. Don't tell him, don't tell her. I know Mark's got 7,800, right, Mark? Yep. Okay, good. 
I, I have uh, 3,200 people. And you're a kid. How old are you, Adrian? <laughs> I'm 35. I have drastically increased. And this is an amazing thing, right? I have dra- I went from, I've doubled in three years. And you can, that, there's nothing stopping you from doing that when you get proactive about your contacts. And it's been, you know, it, it's been the richest three years of my life because of those connections. My, my cliche has always been, and one of the ones in my quote book and, and a lot of my books is your net work creates your net worth. And everybody wants to have a bigger net worth, meaning how much money are you really worth? Assets minus liabilities equals net worth. How much do you want to be worth? And the way to do it is expand your net worth. Like, well, I said earlier, Mitzi and I have never physically met. We've become unequivocally the best friends in the world talking on a regular basis, if not every day, is because we both are still traveling, believe it or not. She's in Dallas when she usually lives out in Maryland. But the point is, we are telephone best buddies, computer best buddies, and we wrote a book by telephone that everybody would say couldn't be done because we started with the simplest thing, wash your hands, and what she wrote, and I said, oh, I love it, wash your thumbs, because honest to God, I'd never seen anyone wash their thumbs before she wrote it. Actually, and that that comes from me as a science writer, because I'm very aware of a health professional who is telling me everybody washes their hands, but they forget their thumbs. So you you actually, you must pay attention to washing your thumbs when you wash your hands. Deadliest weapons. That's what they say is, yeah, that's very, how many in your, how many in your electronic Rolodex, Mitzi, how many? I have, I have roughly 1100 right now. Good. I've got. What do I, 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 I so misspoke. I have roughly eleven thousand right now. Eleven thousand. Wow. Yes, and I'll tell you why. Oh, it comes from wisdom of. By the way, how much time do we have to talk? How short should I make this story? Okay. We got plenty of time in this break. Okay. Oh, my late husband was. I mean, he was a genius in in many many ways. But one of them was, he understood networking. And when would go to a party, which he would, we would frequently go to. And he'd stand at the front of the door of, say, it's, it's a charity event and there are 200 people there. By the end of the evening, he's shaken hands with 200 people and possibly gotten 200 business cards. And he would simply make sure that he interacted with every single person there and got their card and would then record it. Mitch, and, and so his view is... Was. No, his... My, don't my late think ha- was. Most people don't know listening. Well... Frank Perdue was the, uh, friends called him the chicken man. He, he started with no employees and at the time of his death employed 20,000 people. But what made him such a success? How did he go from no employees to 20,000? And he told me, plus I witnessed it, that most people who go to a large event, you know, they probably paid a lot of money to go there and travel expenses and everything, and then they waste it because they don't network. And so and we would usually get there five minutes before just so that he could position himself near the door and meet everybody. And you know, by the end, of, he, w- he was extremely strategic about it. By the end of every event, he had met pretty much every person. And then he would, he would record it. That's- so because you know, then later on when he needs somebody in the such and such industry or one way or another, he made use of that networking. What's so beautiful about that, that recording part is so many people walk up to me all the time and stick their hand out and say, nice to meet you, Tom. And I go, nice to see you again. And they go, what? I go, we met in 1990. 19-
And they just faint because I have done the same thing as your husband forever, but I had to do it with my own little Dewey Decimal System. Now we've got the contactmapping.com app that changes everything. I've got 14,326 people in my phone right this minute. So I whipped your butt. Awesome, awesome. I know. But, you know I, 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 when I was going through the app, I was thinking, boy, imagine what my father or my late husband would have done with the app. They were, I mean, it, it, would, it would be everything that they were doing, but on steroids. Nikki, tell them who your father was, because most of these people don't know your illustrious history. Uh, my late father was the co-founder, along with my uncle, of the Sheraton Hotel chain. Holy mackerel. He started it in, eight, in the 1930s. He passed on in 1967, and we sold the chain then, but he was the person who started it. Incredible. So I got to I got to grow up watching a guy who made the most of networking. I mean, if you're in the hospitality industry, boy, that's what you live for. None. And he did. And what a shame that he never got to have your app. <laughs> that is so exciting. I know it. Well, that's cool. You got it. Yeah, and you know what I would say is, in so many ways, the the print the timeless principles that your father and your late husband brought about they have kind of fallen out like people have stopped doing those things that worked and really what i in many ways i see contact mapping is reviving the legacy of some of these people who have been so incredibly successful by doing those things without the tools and now we're giving you the tool to make it easier than ever and so that's really what contact mapping is about uh, go to contactmapping.com forward slash free we actually have a brand new really cool landing page that has a video and you can see what it's all about you're gonna love it and so let's come back from the break why don't we okay we're gonna come back from the break but I want to say about Temple Grandin is one of the most beautiful people I know I was talking about between a scientist and a communicating scientist but make no mistake she is brilliant beautiful kind nice and has changed the world in the agricultural space. Well, well the reason I'm meeting her is because Purdue Farms is, is using her for advice on how to raise organically grown chickens and beef and lamb and others so that, I mean, she's a hero to my family's company. Had a feeling. Wow. Okay, we got to come back. And we're back. This is the Network Marketing Leadership Show. We got the unbelievable Mitzi Purdue <laughs> and her sidekick, but I'm telling you. Victor Hansen. Not a bad start for a 306 sidekick. books marked Victor Hansen and the great Mitzi Purdue. This is her 22nd book. And these people are, I mean, what have we done with our lives? Don't you feel like just a failure? Well, I'm going to write my autobiography and realize that maybe I did some good things along the way. We're going to get every relative. Here's the deal. I have to tell everybody a story. This is crazy. Adrian graduated at the top of his class from Trinity University. Wow. Awesome with a degree in finance, went on to have a great career. But right as he's graduating, he said, Dad, I think I'm going to write a book about my childhood. And you don't even remember this. And I said, you got to be kidding me. That sounds great. You're going to talk about how great your dad was and how awesome your life was. And he goes, not really, Dad. I'm going to talk about how tough it was as the child of divorced parents living in two houses and what kind of impact it has on children. And he was dead serious. I thought he was going to write this manifesto about how wonderful I was, but he was going to write it about how tough it was, which that book needs to be written. But every one of us have something like that inside of us that is important stuff that the world, they would have read that book. And I was shocked when you said that because I thought it was like Disneyland growing up with me, but apparently it wasn't <laughs> I thought, but very cool, right? Did you not say that to me? I 
I 100% believe you, and I have zero recollection of having said it. Yeah. yeah. In, in which case, I'll, I, I want Mark and me to go, come gang up in you. It's not too late. Write the book. Yeah, he will. Yeah, and Think of all the people who would be helped by it. it you, yeah, and by the way, we want people, Mitzi and I are on the, on the same page here. At every age, we ought to write it. And if you really did it right, it, you know, I, I got right here, I can show you the 50 years of diaries. I really think you ought to write about your life year by year. Also, if you can take that amount of time, now, I know that's bigger than what Mitzi and I've talked about It's bigger than I've ever talked about before, but every year we have transformation and, and in our lives and, and our, our, my corporate symbol is a butterfly because all of us are now in a cocoon. And, and we're just about to break out of it. I really believe that. I think Mitzi is on the same page with me and you guys are. And we're going to be high-flying butterflies. And we're going to look back and say, it was awful, but it was exactly what the whole world needed. Do you guys know the Landmark Forum? Yes. I've done times. It's a personal development course that I've done seven times over my life. And everybody goes, why would you do that? And I go, because I am a different human being at so many different stages of my life that I need to relook at the way my life looks right now through a different pair of glasses in writing a book would be unbelievable for that, Mark. And that, you guys don't have any, you know, we've interviewed you now, Mark, three times here recently. Obviously, your beautiful book with your wife called Ask, your book on how to write a book, and now this book. But what it has done for me is really opened my eyes personally to how much I'm ripping myself off and the universe. <gasps> what a great expression, ripping myself off. Yes, yes, okay, yes. Tom, Tom, you and I are friends a lot of years. You need to write, that's the title of your book. Mitzi will agree, and we'll we'll write an endorsement or forward or something like that for you. Because that has to happen. It does. It does. It's so By the way, I think it's got to be don't rip yourself off. Yeah. Thank you. Good. Good point. Because yeah. I'll tell you, that's neat. Yeah. Yeah. See that, ladies and gentlemen, everyone has a book in them, and that's why I say, look, go to my website, markvictorhanson.com. We show you a whole video on it and tell you how to do it. Because we really, from my heart and soul to yours, like what Mitzi said is, you know, you're the greatest amongst you, the big guy said, is to be servant of all. And her favorite quote is from, from Mother Teresa. I'll, I'll quote the quoter here, but Mother Teresa says, I'm just a pencil in the hand of God. Isn't that a great line? I'm a pencil in the hand of God. What a great line. Can you imagine? <laughs> That's so cool. Well, when I read it, I memorized it because, you know, what a great thing to aspire to. I'm just yeah. a pencil in the hand of God. So, Mark, talk a little bit about because I, you know, I, I think you having written so many books, you know, you you've done kind of every format. You've done, you know, you've really evolved this thing over time. And so, why the why the format of these forty tips? And you know, how can somebody get the most out of what you and Mitzi have put together for for these these times that we're in right now? I don't know if I've ever put time on it before, but I think everyone could read this book in two hours. I think even if you're a slow reader at under 100 to 250 words a minute, I, I read much faster as does Misty, I think. I'm guessing she probably reads three or 4,000 words a minute like I do. But the, the point of the matter is, is that the, the book will launch you. I start by saying, look, there's seven businesses that are going to do 50, not billion, but 50 trillion, that's spelled with a T, during this decade from 2020 to 2030, we got companies like QCI that are going to take trash and turn it into cash. He currently needs to hire 22 million Americans. Well, we only have 30 million unemployed. So suddenly we're, you know, two thirds back. We're going to have the best economy ever. And then there's 
and that that's taking trash to cash. We can take every piece of metal that's in the, we got 10,000 landfills full and they'll kill us if we don't do what I'm recommending here because I'm on the board of advisors of this great billion dollar company and we can take glass, put it back to glass, plastic back to plastic. We've got to do that because we're killing the oceans because the plastic gets in the ocean, it gets in the gulls of the fish, which Mitzi can talk to as a scientist, and it, it's gonna kill our fish supply. Our water supply is three quarters. We can't keep polluting it. We got eight billion of us. All of us create five pounds or more garbage a day, and we can transform that. When I was in graduate school with Dr. Bucky Fuller, working on my doctorate, the point is, it was exactly what Bucky said. You, there's no such thing as a bad asset, ass, asset just an, an asset that's misused, misunderstood, or neglected and, and right now we've got a guy that can take it all and turn it back into energy and water and resources and we're in what christ said i've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly the only way to abundance as far as i'm concerned right now is first of all mind second of all technology and to that i better pass it to mitzi and see that she agrees because this is the first time we've done one of these interviews together do you agree to that mitz yeah as an environmental writer uh, I, I said i was a science writer but within that it was very often on the environment and we can't keep going the way we are, but to get back to something that you often say about the yin and the yang and, and that a catastrophe is also an opportunity. Well, the amount of pollution that we're putting into the world is a catastrophe, but the ability to take it out and recycle it is you know, a gift from, from above. Wow. That's, well, and one of the, I think one of the things that I have really been heartened by as a silver lining of this pandemic that we have been through is watching how rapidly some parts of our environment and our earth have healed themselves and you know the remarkable things have happened that you know you wouldn't be surprised to hear them happen if we were if it was years like this but you know within a matter of weeks or months you know to see such you know wildlife re coming back and you know different things happening it's it's remarkable to see how resilient the planet is if we just allow it to to work its magic right can i can i speak to that for a second yeah what our book does is it, it's opened up people's minds and including mine and mitzi's i think and i'll talk for her and if she disagrees she's always allowed to disagree with me and i've always given her permission but in just the last week I, i've sent her a video that shows a woman that has figured out how to take hooks out of sharks mouths <gasps> and the shooks the sharks i get goosebumps telling you this, this is a chicken soup story the sharks come and lay in this lady's lap. These are man or woman eating sharks. She's a woman. And she has got all the sharks literally from around the world coming and she's teaching people to take sharks out and keep the sharks alive. Sharks are part of what is necessary for the mantle of the earth to stay alive. Then I, I talked to the guy who, all of us listen to that tape, um, Dead Doctors Don't Lie. Well, that guy's name is Dr. Joel Wallach. He and I did a lot of big seminars with 10,000 people at a time. And Joel and I have been out of touch, but Joel, and I both believe we've got to keep the barrier reef alive. And, and I thought we'd just transplant it in one way. But Joel has now got me convinced that if we do the right mineralization, what's called bleaching, it looks like the sun burns it out. If the barrier reef dies, the fish die. And we need to remineralize it. And he's got the way to do it. He thinks I've got the, the contact mapping ability to pull that off. And, and I'm trying. And I'm now telling Mitzi for the first time this thing. So what I'm saying is that what Mitzi and I have done with this book, from my point of view, is something that I didn't try to see when we wrote it, that we take the blinders off a lot of people's eyes, and Mitzi and I become, because we're, I teach you're either leading edge, dull edge, or cutting edge, or trailing edge, and I want everyone listening to be leading edge. This isn't for the four of us, it's for the all of us, because we're all in this thing together, and what yes. we're doing is we're, Mitzi and I have 
look, we both, have, our lives are taken care of, but we want to make sure everybody takes care of their life in a positive, optimistic, upbeat, productive way, because you're here for two reasons if you read the Bible. In the beginning, God created 28 verses, created in the image and likeness. Therefore, you're here to create. And number two, you're here to contribute. And you're, go thou and retire. Thou are now 55, 65 cents. But what idiocy. Nope. Idiot, Nitsi and I aren't retiring. <laughs> we are retiring. We're putting on new tires. Yes! Over 70 and going in a new direction. Better, more holistic, more fully functioning. And and we believe if you have a high quality of life, you want to have high quality of life. I'm going to be 127 with options for renewal. Mitzi, I pass it back to you. Hey, I'm 79 and proud of it. And boy, retiring at 65? Never. No. No, I feel honest at 79. I feel that I've got more energy and more drive and maybe more idealism than I've ever had. So uh, allow me to share a story about my my aunt and getting old this is for everybody because it, this story sure helped me my aunt died at 94 and when she was like maybe 91 or so i was going on a long car drive with her she was driving still at that age and we were very close we'd always been very close and i asked her the world's most indiscreet question i asked her auntie what's it like getting old and you know that that's a really indiscreet question, but but we loved each other and it didn't offend her. She answered. She said, as you get older, it gets better and better. Because she said, you have more and more freedom to do what you want and to express yourself. And she said as an example, in grade school, a lot of your time is doing stuff that you don't want to do, like I don't know, studying your regular verbs or learning algebra or something. Then when you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, you're struggling with your career. And again, you're doing a lot of stuff you don't want to do. You're in your 60s, 70s, maybe. You still have to entertain visiting firemen. There are things you have to do that you don't want to do. She said, by age 90, there's not a moment in my day that I'm not doing what fulfills me and what excites me and what interests me. It's total freedom. So therefore, it just in her view, as long as you can pay the rent and you've got your health, Life gets better and better every year. Wow. Cool. I'll never forget when Mark brought Art Linkletter on the show and they'd written this book called How to Make the Rest of Your Life the Best of Your Life. And Art was 94 years old and he had just started a solar company. And Mark Whoa. a whippersnapper. So you two have plenty of time left. And uh, it's so exciting just to be on the same platform as you two because you don't need to be doing this. You're doing this because you're relevant and you're leaving a legacy. And us young spring chickens, especially him, will be forever indebted to you. We'll be back right after this. And we're back for the final break. That is awesome. Wow, that was- How long, it, remind me how long the break is. I mean, I've seen the schedule, but I didn't memorize it. Four minutes, so we're, we're back on at 48. Are, are we talking 60 seconds? No, four, four minutes, so we're back- Oh, four minutes. It passed, yeah. Yep. Great. Thank you. Uh, that's just so, that's your ability to contribute. And I, I think you're such a, you know, what, what if at 65, you would have said, you know what, I'm hanging it up and I'm going to go play golf and whatever. You know, what if you, what if the last 14 years of your contribution to the world, including this book, hadn't happened? Okay. I and mean, I'm trying to think of the number of books I've written during that time. I lost count. Maybe seven or eight. That's a pretty, that's and, a and they're ones that, I mean, I wrote them to be helpful. They're, for example, uh, 
how to make your family business last across the generations, or how to teach values to your children so they'll love it, or how to stay connected with your family. Uh, the feedback I get is that it makes a difference in people's lives. And well, I, I have a phrase that, that I'm just eager to share, yeah. and it's about success. And I invented this. I mean, probably 10 other people say it too, but I think I invented it. <laughs> success is measured not by what you can get, but by what you can give. No question. And, what and so I want to be successful. I want to be able to give lots. So here's the deal, and this is part of your contact mapping app and ad. My friends at age 65, I'm 69, all my friends are retired and they are losing, and the reason they're retiring is because they're losing relevance. That's why they're retiring. They're out of their job. They realize nobody's listening to them anymore. I'm more relevant now, as are you two, than I ever was. Correct. I'm certain of that for all of us. Who have influence? It's because of my finally keeping score on the right scoreboard and wanting to give back and make a difference in the world, obviously through the legacy of his company, but in everything I do. And that's what you two are up to that is so doggone important. Don't count us out, count on us, which is better for me, don't you guys think? I think everyone's gotta get counted in and I think all the retirees have gotta come back yeah. yes. and serve and teach how to do supply chains teach how to bring manufacturing back to America because we cannot allow, by the way, I've worked in China for 22 years until three years ago. And then I've worked in Vietnam at $75,000 a talk the last up until COVID hit every year. And I've been teaching in Vietnam. My number one book there is uh, one minute millionaire. And, and what I say is you've got to stay rich. You've got to stay independent. You cannot let China take over like they took over Tibet and killed a million two hundred thousand people of the Dalai Lamas, then they're, now they've taken over Hong Kong, which is an atrocity, and they're trying to take over Taiwan, which I've been to Taiwan. I've been from Taipei to LA probably 50 times. It is not okay, and I know that I'm not supposed to be doing political pronouncements here, but Mitzi and I, she used to date somebody Chinese after sweet husband died. So she and I are really clear that this is a country that, like Hitler wrote, today Germany, tomorrow the world, which is you know not acceptable and wasn't, and that's why America and Britain and Australia and Canada beat him back. But the fact of the matter is this guy's first line of his book, The Current Maoists, uh, Marxist President, said, I want hegemony. Well, it may not be a word you all know, but that means world domination. I'm not okay with it. And if I'm on my bully pulpit too much, you guys can say I am. But Mitzi, would you add to that real quick? Yeah, I will. Uh, you mentioned that I dated a, a guy from China. Uh, I, I did for 10 years. And I was very fond of him. He was brilliant. He was, you know, he's just really good company. And, you know, I visited him in China. So I got to see parts of China that probably a typical tourist might not see because I was like embedded in a Chinese family. So I loved the family. I loved the people. But it, 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 it chills my blood when, when I learn some of their attitudes on human life, for example. How about it's almost meaningless? I mean, I think, I think we put, we in this country put far more effort into a puppy than they would to a human life. It, it didn't seem to bother him. I mean, my blood would run cold when I'd, when I'd hear how little he valued human life. You know, if, if, you, if a million people have to die for the good of the state, they should die. 
I mean, he just, it did, it was, it was so foreign to a Westerner that you could, you can hardly get your mind around it. Okay, we got to go back. So we are back two seconds. And we're back. We are with Mark Victor Hansen and the one and only Mitzi Perdue, who we didn't know about, but man, do we love now. this woman, huh? <laughs> Incredible. Gee, many Christmas. Really, just just amazing. And, and you know, the, the conversation that we were having before the break of just, you know, true, true contribution, I think is so important. And, and I think this is a time where, you know, pick up, go and pick up this book. And, you know, if you don't feel like you have time to read a whole book, go scan through the table of contents and pick the thing that you, that resonates with your heart and know that you can contribute. And, you know, we were talking before the break about, you know, some of you who are, you know, 79 or 69 or wherever you are and, you know, that you're older in years and maybe you're telling your story. But, you know, one of the people who I pay a lot of attention to is Gary Vaynerchuk. And he's talking all the time to people who are 25 and 26 years old and go, I'm locked into this career. I, you know, like... There's this sense, no matter where you are on the journey, you know, you guys are thinking that's the most absurd thing in the world, but that's the story that so many people that are very young are telling themselves of, I'm stuck in whatever, you know, mistakes I have made just out of college, the major I chose. I mean, just total, total lies that you're telling yourself, but it's, it's not, it's your truth until you break free from it. And I think this is a time where you have an opportunity, a unique opportunity to say, you know what, I am gonna go, I'm gonna go and rip up that playbook and start a new, I'm gonna start a new story. And I think this book is how you do that. And so share, maybe share one of the tips that, you know, for somebody that might be in that sort of a, stuck in that sort of a pattern, you know, what's one of the tips that is, that's there in the book that could help them to break free from that kind of story that they're telling themselves? With your permission, I'll go first and then give it to Mitzi to do it in injective. But the spiritual principle is it's done on to you according to your belief. And if your belief is myopic, if you're nearsighted, if you've got blinders on, Mitzi and I are saying, throw away the blinders. Right. University is supposed to study universe. And what they did is they broke it down to biology and chemistry and physics. And what we're saying is, hey, wait a second. We, Mitzi and I want everybody to recommend, under, recognize you're a polymath and you're not an engineer, you're not just a lawyer, you're not just a student, you're not just a philosophy student, you're not just an English student, you've got a bigger hurrah in front of you. With that, I pass it to you, Mitzi. Okay, I'm thinking this isn't in the book, but the spirit of what I'm about to say is in the book. At age 75, I wanted to be a public speaker, 75. I signed up for a year-long course with the National Speakers Association, and whoa, I have a whole new career. Oh. So, so don't don't get locked in in your twenties or thirties. What was it like when you were in the class and all those kids were those little snot-nosed kids that were just brocked out? They just came from Toastmasters, and here you came in at age seventy-five saying, "Let's go." Were they just all pumped up, or was it how'd that go? Actually, it was genuinely fun because I love being my age. Uh, partly because I think they don't expect somebody 75 to be as more gung-ho than they are. I mean, to me, you know, life is just great, big, exciting, and I want to plunge in and get every bit of it that I can. 
you remember when our, his sister took piano lessons when she was like 17? So she said, go to the recital. And remember, we walked in and everybody else was like five. And there's my daughter. It was so cute because she was so much older, but she had that exuberance of wanting to learn piano. So she walked right in that class with those little tiny kids and kicked it. I mean, she like was so proud of herself. Yeah, it was, it awesome. was just beautiful. So I, am, I applaud you so much. She was the ripe old age of 17, but 75. Yeah, just to have that exuberance for life oh at every my stage. God, never lose it, everybody. But, but, tell me, why not? I mean, why the heck not? I agree 100%. That's it. I'm learning jujitsu. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Let's see, do I want to try for the four-minute mile? Um, do next. You know, I still fly my airplane, you know, and I'm 69. I can. I still, you know, that takes a lot of concentration for a guy that supposedly should be but yeah, that, that's very good mind work to be, you know, obviously the radios and the maps are harder to fly than the airplane, but that's really, really good for my brain. And I encourage everybody to stay really, really young doing things that young people are doing instead of things that old people are doing. That's- well, I'm a passionate believer in the notion that we are the stories that we tell ourselves. And um, I'm actually, I think I'm about maybe 40 in, in, inside my mind. Yep. And, and okay. so I do my very best to act like how I think I am. By the way, let me talk to what Mitzi says, because you're kind enough to have us both on, Tom, Art Linkletter and I. Art Linkletter and I said, look, there's three ages. There's your chronological age, which is 20, 30, 50, 70, whatever, 80. There, there's your biological age, which you can do the biorhythms and do the blood tests and all that. But then there's the more important thing is your attitudinal age. And when Art and I would talk to like 10,000 people down at uh, the village and down at, at per night in, in Florida where there's 500,000 people over 65. And we'd say, shut your eyes and now feel what your age is. Exactly what Mitzi just did where she said 40 and I feel like I'm 28 or 30. And, and you know, cause I exercise every day. I eat good nutrition and my wife is a little younger than 14 years younger than me. And we feel rip roaringly alive and vital. Although she looks like she's 25 because that's what she thinks. So you do, the, more, the most important of those three ages from my money, and I think for Mitzi's, and she can agree or disagree, is what's your attitudinal age? How do you feel at depth in your higher spiritual, bigger self, not your little, you know, puny ego self? Very good call. You guys, I can't thank you enough for coming on this show. Go buy this book, How to Be Up in Down Times. It is a read and a half. There's 40 tips in there. It will change your life. And Mitzi, we're gonna bring you back with Mark as many times as you'll come. And uh, what a what a deal, huh? Just Well, I'd like nothing better. I've enjoyed this more than I can say. Woo! Well, th thank you so much. And I just, I love that your collaboration is so, such a, you know, there's such a beautiful thing for you never to have even met in person. And I think that's an- well, so thank you both so much for being here. It's just great to have you. All right. We'll see you all next week. I have no idea who our week's next week's guest is, but awesome. Love you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can get a lot more content like this going to contactmapping.com.